Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is the engaging and thought-provoking Helen Jones. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and to help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Helen's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Helen. Welcome, Helen. Hi, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm super excited to speak to you today. Brilliant. I'm excited too. <laughs> so I like to jump straight into all things improv on the show. And I'm just going to ask you, first of all, how did you get into improv? Well, it was purely accidental. Um, I just decided to do something that I would never normally do in order to get an outcome that I wouldn't normally get to my belief is that if you carry on doing things that you always do, you always have the same result. And I was in a, in a bit of a rut in my life, to be honest with you. Right. Very, very work centric, um, overworking, not going out. And I was at a point in my life where I felt there was, it was all work and, and nothing else. Um, so I decided to have a look and see if there's anything going on that I could just do on my own um, that was completely opposite to what I would normally do. And I saw Liverpool Comedy Improv uh, Monday night at the Pilgrim Pub. And I thought, well, the Pilgrim Pub's probably not any place I'd normally hang out even, but I I drove there, parked my car, and I was like sat in the car going, oh no, what have I done, what have I done? (laughs) And I got out of my car, went upstairs, and for two hours I just laughed. Nobody knew me. Well, actually they they did, because accidentally um my ex's cousin was there oh <laughs> but that's okay because we're all we're all friends so that doesn't matter yeah. but yeah nobody knew me nobody was judging me nobody um knew what I did I didn't know what they did as a job but we all laughed and got on and then went to the pub and I felt great afterwards so I thought oh, I, th- I think I need a bit more of this in my life <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much how it started and yeah. how how long ago was that Oh, nearly four, three, three and a half, four years, actually. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. So when you were looking for something completely new and different, what was it about improv that made you think, oh, I think that could be for me? Comedy. um, It was the comedy element. I'd never stand, well, in, in my job, I could stand up and talk about things I've presented at conferences and I've done all sorts of speaking in in public and lectures and that sort of thing so that didn't faze me at all it was the fact being funny I think that's what it was and people think I'm a very serious person and my job was a very very serious job so you come across as a very serious person (laughs) I'm not at all I'm I'm, and I I love having fun and having a laugh and, and that and that you know the comedians I like would probably surprise you but um, like Roy Chubby Brown. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm up for a laugh. So I never thought for a minute that I'd ever be able to stand up and make other people laugh. Um, and it was a good feeling when when I actually achieved 
that and people were laughing at what I was saying, possibly laughing at me, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a good feeling anyway. So yeah, it was just the fact that I would never in a million years have thought of standing up in front of anyone and and doing a, a performance other than a lecture about something that I knew about in academia. And had you seen improv comedy sort of on telly or live before you tried it yourself? Yeah, whose line is is it anyway? It's a program I was familiar with. Other than that, I hadn't really heard of it. Um, I hadn't really seen it apart from that show, um, really. So I sort of had an overview of it, but I certainly didn't know much about it. And you've mentioned your job and having a very serious job. Uh, what, What is it that you do for a living? Right. I Well, I recently retired on the 1st of March, uh, but I've worked in critical care in the NHS for a very, very, very long time. Um, and as you can imagine, it's not a place where, where you'd be cracking jokes every five minutes. Yeah, um, yeah so, so I've had a very, very long career. Um, I was a nurse, but then um, after doing a couple of degrees and a master's degree, I ended up on the medical team doing an advanced role so I could prescribe drugs, um, do small operations, procedures, just I could I could stand shoulder to shoulder with any registrar and do exactly the same job as them. Wow. Um, so that was that was the best job I ever had in the last few years of my career. And I was very sad to leave it because I loved that job. But there comes a time um, to say enough is enough and you get to an age where you think actually I could technically retire I can manage to retire and I'm young enough to create another life and what improv did for me was wake up my creative side because ah. I, I began to write sketches and, and write shows had a small pl- a play on it uh, a fringe theatre play and, and then another smaller one um, so I've done quite a few monologues, poetry, um, spoken word. Not, it really woke up my creative brain. And I have wow. been a creative person um, all my life, but I think I've suppressed it um, in my adult years. I always, um, I always sketched, took photographs. Uh, I always wrote short stories. But when I was bringing up my children and going to work all the time, I sort of forgot that I ever did it. And improv just pressed that button again and and awoke things in me um so yeah that that's what really pushed me towards the retirement decision because my life opened out all of a sudden I'd met other creative people that understood me for the first time and were like come to my show or come to this writing group and these were all people that were doing improv at LCI uh so I began to then network in a different way and my life started to move out exponentially in a creative pattern that I that I hadn't had before, so that's where I am now. I've now shrunk down my, or it's actually disappeared, my <laughs> NHS serious side, uh, and the creative side has has opened out, and I stepped through the door uh, into that life. As long as this lockdown can <laughs> allow us to live it again, um, but yeah, that, that's what happened in. So I'd say it really completely and utterly transformed my life and put me in touch with people and gave me opportunities I could never imagine. Yeah, definitely something I've felt in the time I've been involved in the improv community is is the first time in my life I've ever actually felt like I truly belong. I mean, I've always had a good life and, and I've, I've made it work, yeah. but improv 
just came along and I was like, wow, yeah, I 100% feel like this is where I'm meant to be. Yes, I feel a sense of belonging and I, I'm completely wacky. I have, you know, it's other people are eccentric enough to get up and and just start talking and make it a scene. It doesn't matter how silly it is, you know, but you, I think you have to have an eccentric side and certainly a creative side and people who think they can't do it should have a go because it will wake up a part of your brain that you didn't think you had, perhaps. Um, but I do feel a sense of belonging and a sense of connection with the people I do improv with, with just as much as I ever had in the in uh, the medical team I, I was in, because yeah. we have connections in those teams because of the things you go through together. You have a tight bond, and I worked in a very tight knit group of people that um, I'd known all my adult life um, and we trusted each other and we worked hard together and had shared experiences uh, that quite harrowing and, you know, um, but improv in a different way is the same. You test yourself, you have to be brave. You put yourself in danger when you stand in front of an audience and you test yourself. And doing that with a group of people forms a bond. Um, you have to trust each other and have each other's backs in improv. And I like that. I think hearing about you having such a serious job, but then also hearing that on the flip side of that, you're not a serious person. You're just serious because that's what your job requires. I think that's very important if you're in that kind of role to not let it consume you. Yeah. And it can, if you're not careful. I, I think I had allowed that to happen looking back on it. Yeah. Um, I'd be involved in absolutely everything that was going on. I was the chairman of the Cheshire and Mersey Practice Educators Service Improvement Lead. Um, I wrote the, the national, um, I contributed to writing the, the national um, standards for critical care nursing, uh, the, the education framework that underpins it. So, and in addition to that, doing a full-time service job on the shop floor, working in intensive care. And I, I was publishing work as well, speaking at conferences. It was literally wall-to-wall -wall work. Yeah. And I, I did, I burnt out. Uh, and that's when um, I went to improv. I'd literally burnt out. Um, yeah. And I got to, because at my age, I thought I've got, I've got no friends outside of work. I've got no life outside of work. Soon I'll think about retiring and what do I do then? Stare at a wall, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, it was a case of having to do something. <laughs> um, but I'm glad I did it. It certainly has um, created a lot of surprises. I even did stand-up um, to dare myself. I think you have to put yourself in danger in order to evolve. And I think an underpinning element of evolving a, as an animal even um, is the fact that you put yourself in danger and adapt to that and survive it. Yeah. And that makes you stronger. So um, I put myself down uh, for the Hot Water Comedy Club. And th this was in 2019, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I did a four-week um, course once a every Sunday for an hour with Freddie Quinn and a few other, uh, Freddie Quinn was the, com was the compare at the hot water okay. uh, and a few others, six others. And we all did uh, the newcomers night amongst some other 
seasoned comedians and you don't get introduced as she's having her first go. You just get introduced <laughs> and you have to go on. <laughs> so it was literally like, chuck. Oh, I've never been so scared in all my life ever. I was doing comedy improv at that point, I was. Yeah. But standing up and having to remember lines that you've written for yourself, that's very, very different to improv where you literally make it up and somebody else is there. But yeah, I, I think you need to scare yourself in life and, and, and not just sit sit back on the sofa and watch the soaps and and I mean you you just deteriorate doing that. I'd love to talk to you about the process of writing a stand-up comedy set. Like how do you get it into a set time? And like where do you draw your inspiration from? What sort of style did you have? My inspiration was um, my two sons, who are quite eccentric, um, and my experiences with them bringing bringing those two up, um, and also my my elderly dad. So I sort of built a set around that, but I made it overrun slightly, and I had different jump off points. Um, so if I talked a little bit too fast, I could still have a um, carry on a bit longer or if I spoke too slowly or had a hiatus that I could get off quicker and when you're on stage they flash a light when you've got five a couple of minutes left ah, right, okay. and you can see it and then you know when to wrap, wrap it up you know when to start to wrap up so you don't overrun so I, I had get out get out points all the way through <laughs> it was difficult <laughs> and, and how does it feel to have practiced something over and over again and then be stuck with that material because in improv one of the things i love is you think oh that's not working let's try something else but if this is your set and that's what you've got like were you prepared for it to perhaps not go down well yeah um i i had um had little sort of game plans if if nobody was laughing (laughs) (laughs) the first thing i did the first thing i did was was an accident. I got on stage and you're supposed to go on stage, pick the mic up and look professional, pick the mic off the stand and chuck the stand to the side. <laughs> right. I picked the mic off the stand, threw the mic to the, to the side and went. <laughs> <laughs> that got a laugh because it actually, it was natural. So they probably either thought I was a brilliant actress or I was a complete div. <laughs> div. So that they were laughing up straight up. As soon as you got the audience on your side, they start to forgive you quite a lot of things. <laughs> um, so it did go down well. I was very, very pleased with it, to be honest. I don't know whether I'd do it again. Uh, a couple of the girls who, who were on the course with me did have continued All right. uh, to success, actually. Uh, oh, and one of the lads as well. Uh, they continued it. I, I sort of regret that I didn't continue it. Um, and I might have another go at it if, if I'm if I'm brave enough, <laughs> but it's good fun to do. And <laughs> how did the people that you worked with respond to this sudden change in your life and you going off and doing this? Did you discuss it with them or did you keep it secret? No, no, I told them. Um, I didn't tell them I was doing stand because the worst thing would have been for a room full of intensive care people. <laughs> like that they're going, go on, be funny then. <laughs> no. Or the worst thing people do is they go on tell us a joke. It doesn't sort of work like that though, yeah. does it? 
Um, yeah, so, yeah, I did tell them I was doing these things and they couldn't believe it because, like I said, I'm quite serious in work and I am very serious about what I do and standards. I'm very serious about standards um, and your, stan your standard is what you walk past. If you walk past something that you don't think is good enough for you or your own family, then that's your standard. So... I'd always be going, oh, would you mind just moving that or sit that, you know, sit that patient up a bit more or um, have you done a blood gas recently? Well, I was always in, 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 you know. So I think a lot of the staff <laughs> nurses found me uh, quite intense uh, and serious, but you know, that's what the job is at the end of the day. So they couldn't quite believe that I was going around uh, being funny or, or silly at all. They were like, what are you doing? What? You, you. <laughs> so no, they didn't believe it. They didn't, they, you know, that they were gobsmacked to, to want of a <laughs> phrase. Uh, none of them have come to see me in, in anything, um, right. actually. But maybe they will one day. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, what you said about, oh, go on, tell us a joke. That is, uh, is something I hate to hear because... Oh, no whoever's asking you that whatever you say they're probably not going to laugh because no, the people <laughs> the people that ask you that are the sort of people that don't want to acknowledge that you're funny even if you are i know i know and it's you can't just be funny on order i do know some very funny people i mean um that can just reel it off and they're just naturally everything that comes out of their mouth is hilarious i mean i'm not one of those people who can just command a room and, and start being funny and off the cuffs so easily. And usually that's why I like long form and long form for anybody watching who doesn't know about improv is, is more of a storytelling improv that lasts a bit longer yeah. and you create scenes that are connected. I think that's why I like those scenes because I have time to think and watch other people's scenes think, right, I can come in there, I can be that person, I can connect to that. So you have a bit more thinking time. Um, and I do like that thinking time, to be honest, because I'm not necessarily 100% spontaneously funny. Um, although I'll, I'll try to be, um, but I, I think I sort of veer towards the longer, the longer things, the longer games. Although off the shorter form is instant gratification, especially if you're in a scene with somebody that just clicks with, with you. Yeah, and I think, the long form as well. I, I think for like the average Joe, I don't think long form is that well known. Like most people think of improv, they think of whose lines it anyway, and they think uh they just think of the short form side of things. Uh and you know, I, I was a massive fan of Whose Line and I thought I knew loads about improv until I discovered improv. And then I was like, oh, like I know very little about improv. I just know about short form games. So then to discover that there's this whole extra side with long form and the fact that it's called improv comedy and it doesn't even have to be funny. It, it just has to be people just putting themselves out there and coming up with whatever they come up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like all forms of improv. Um, but yeah, definitely the long form is the thing that I enjoy the most. And I like the, the, the um, you know, the, the variation as well, things like, you know, um, film noir and, um, you know, there's, there's different sorts of takes on the long form, aren't there? Yeah. 
Uh, this film noir long form and um, crime long form and <laughs> you know you can tweak it into whatever genre you like and uh, you know I, I, I'm a massive fan of film noir I have to say and I'd love to be in a film noir long form group um, definitely that would be brilliant. So speaking of groups um, are you part of any troops right now? No, I've never been asked to be part of a troops. <laughs> That's because I'm rubbish. I've never been asked. I know that there's plenty of troops around. Um, before um, February, I was working full time and shifts, so I'd never be able to commit to rehearsals yeah. or shows or anything. I'd be working every weekend anyway. Um, and before the pandemic, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be available to do shows because. Uh, I'll be working all the time. Yeah. Um, we did mixtures of day shifts and night shifts in the same week. Um, and I was never off at the weekend. Or if I was ever off on one of the days, I'll be doing nights that night or something. So I could never commit to being in a group um, at that point. Uh, I'd like to hope to imagine myself in a group maybe at some point um, soon. Um, I'm, I've been doing quite a lot of Zoom um, improv to be honest over the last 12 months yeah to keep um, connected with everybody else and, and it's been wonderful to meet uh, international improvisers uh, it's been great to realize that it's a global phenomenon and and it connects people across vast divides and that's been a wonderful yeah. thing um if i was in a group i'd rather do a, a live in-person situation yeah. um definitely i've enjoyed doing quite a number of courses on online um, and I think um, that's helped me develop my style and, and understand, have a bit more of a thorough understanding of the craft of it. Because, um, again, it's an art form. Yeah. I believe it's an art form. Um, it's, it's a creative art form that has, is multifaceted. And um, you have to find, find your own niche, your own style. There's, there's no right or, or wrong style. Um, but, yeah, I haven't joined a group maybe one day <laughs> well i'm sure there'll be people listening thinking oh great she wants to be in a group let's, let's get a group going or let's invite her to our group yeah. uh, so with you being so busy uh, with work i know you're retired now but you have been very busy over the last year with improv being online have you enjoyed the convenience of thinking oh yeah i wouldn't have been able to go out and get to a live uh, a live session in person but to be able to just get home and think oh yeah I can turn on for an hour or two and just sit there in my pajamas or whatever and, and do a session <laughs> and then and then just zone out after have you enjoyed the convenience of zoom prov yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely pluses to it like I said yes it, it's it's been um, an easy thing to open your laptop up and just jump in uh, and not have to plan to travel and get back and all that sort of thing um, it's definitely a convenient thing and I think it will continue uh, forever now um but it you know it's not going to be the my main access to yeah. uh, improvisation i enjoy in person but the best i might do zoom once a month or something yeah um, i think it's got a place in my life <laughs> maybe <laughs> once a month but not a, not all the time um as we start to meet in person that that for me is the most important thing but I don't want to lose connections with the people that I have made connections with that aren't geographically near me. Yeah. I hate to think that I wouldn't 
see them and I'd love to see them in person it would be marvelous for them to come over uh, and do improv with us in person I've heard of certain people who are saying like in a year or two they are gonna go on a bit of a tour and some of them have said they're gonna come to the UK and try and get to some of the the key cities of places uh, that they've been doing improv online with so that would be cool if we can actually meet some of these international people yeah it'd be brilliant that'd be nice and I think what's great is there's lots of different pockets in the improv world. And then there is this wider community where you're aware of lots of people. And even if you've never improvised with them, you know their name, you know what they look like, you know their thoughts on things because you might have seen how they comment in certain threads and stuff like that. So it really has made the world feel very accessible. Yeah, it has. It's definitely opened things out um, a lot. And there's some great improvisers out there that I'd never have an opportunity to improvise with before. Um, and it, it raises a game. I've enjoyed watching the extreme improv. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, some absolutely brilliantly funny people out there. But, yeah, they really are. Yeah. It's great to watch. And when improv did move online, were you apprehensive about it at all? At first, yeah, I had a, a battered old laptop and the sound didn't work. The camera was rubbish and I had to shout very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared for it at all because I'm not, um, I'm very much an, anal an analog human. I, I'm, I, I'm, my house isn't full of devices and stuff like, like that. So, um, yeah, I do, all I need is something to write on because I write a lot. So my computer was not geared up for it at all. So I actually went out and bought a MacBook Pro. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> because I couldn't join in. I tried it on my phone and that was awful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, that's, that made me go out and get myself a MacBook Pro, which I probably need, I needed it anyway, because I do a lot of photography and, and it's helped me process my pictures and stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was certainly, um, it took me by surprise. <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared for it at all. Um, I'm a bit of a Luddite. I only have things that I absolutely need technologically in yeah. the house. I'm not surrounded by speakers, computers, iPads. Um, I haven't changed my iPhone 5. <laughs> in fact, I probably have a brick phone. I've just deleted my Twitter account. Uh, right. Uh, I, I actually feel like I need to go uh, under the radar. I'm a bit of an under the radar person. Right. I, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so I've decided to just post my photographs on there now rather than um, anything else. And so I've come off Instagram, I've come off Twitter um, and I need to see human beings in the, you know, face to face again, I, I think. And I think it can be a very isolating experience. I found, um, say, when I've been doing a Zoom improv session, it ends yeah. and I shut the lid and then I'm on my own. Right. That's, that, for me, has started to feel unpleasant and has made me feel slightly anxious, actually. Um, and I've been going to the improv in the park. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to doing the in-person again Um in the fly in the loaf upstairs with um, Emma at LCI because 
Zoom has actually started making me feel like I'm trapped and we're accepting a normality um, that it's okay to just have people in front of you on the screen and it's not okay. Like yeah. I said before, it's, it's great to keep in contact with people when there isn't another choice, but it's not a choice I want to make and I, and I am taking myself away from that now for my own mental health because it's made me feel trapped recently um, and I just need to get out and see actual people. Because like I said, when I shut that lid, I'm starting to, to feel like th this is now um, an Orwellian dystopia scenario that I don't right. have to be aware of anymore. And I guess now that you are retired and you're not so focused on work and, and going through the routines of work, I guess when you do close it, it is a case of, oh, yeah, so what now? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and going to work all the time, again, you see people, don't you? Uh, yeah. You're interrupting uh, you, your colleagues or your friends as well. Like I said before, we're a very tight-knit group of people. Um, and I do miss that. Um, and it made me realise, really, that, that that side of my life is completely gone and all the other social side of my life had completely gone as well. <laughs> And yeah, it, having people on, on in little squares in front of you, that, that isn't normal. Um, not for not to replace real human interaction, it's not normal. Yeah. Um, at all. And something you mentioned uh, not that long ago was your photography. Yeah. I do wanna do wanna talk to you about your photography because your photography is fantastic. Uh, and I, I follow uh, your photos on Instagram. I've just deleted the account. <laughs> and I heard you saying that you've just deleted the account and I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, I'm on Facebook. I put them on Facebook now. On Facebook now. Uh, so let's just talk about your photography a little bit. How did you get into it? How long have you been doing it? And what style of photography do you do? Right. So I've always loved taking photographs. And then again, it's something that I just stopped doing when I was working or working and bringing up the kids. Uh, and then um, in the past four years, um, I thought, you know, apart from trying improv, what else did I used to do? Well, I used to do a lot of writing um, and I used to take photographs. So I dug my old Canon camera out, which was not up to scratch, to be honest. So I, I bought another one. Uh, and then I started attending some sessions at a photography studio in, in Liverpool. Um, and they'd hire, you have to pay about 40 quid, but they'd hire, hire models uh, and give you all their equipment and you could take photographs and mess about and, cool. and that and get a bit of tuition as well. So I did that for about six months uh, every Wednesday night. Uh, and I love it. Um, and then I was going on a few um, sort of photography tours and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, d I don't know whether I've got a particular style. I, I love, love still life photography because um, objects don't complain and ask you to remove their eye bags <laughs> <laughs> and they they sit still um yeah so still life I really enjoy and I've just started experimenting with slow shutter speeds and a fire okay. um so I, I don't know whether you saw my picture of the saxophone with the I did the yeah the horn. um so yeah I've started doing some experimental photography uh, some portrait photography, actors' headshots I want to get into. So I've practised on a few of my family members. Um, 
yesterday and the day before and last week I did a photo shoot for um, a couple of musicians at the um, at the Motor Museum studio by Lark Lane, which oh, is a very cool. famous studio in Liverpool um, that that uh, was owned is owned by Andy McCluskey from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. It's probably ah. some band you haven't met, I don't know. Uh, but uh, bands like The Lightning Seeds and that record there. So they were doing uh, an album, uh, Rob Fenner and Alan Fenner, um, AKA Alternative Radio. And um, yeah, so they asked me along to do their their shots for the album covers and, and promotion. Um, so I've spent the last week doing um, photo photos for them. So we did a photo shoot. Um, I spent a little bit of time with uh, the freelance cameraman who was interviewing them. He was great. He, he does freelance for BBC and ITV and stuff. Wow. Bernard Report. So I picked his brain to it for a couple of things as well. <laughs> uh, so they're using my photographs. And then I went along um, yesterday. Um, I said, can I come back and do some musical instruments just still live? So I spent the day rolling around the floor in there. Uh, putting hmm. instruments in positions, lying on the floor, taking photographs just for my own pleasure. I spent about five hours in there. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go back next week. So now I've got, um, you know, quite a, a few more photographs for my portfolio. So I, I just continually take pictures of anything that interests me. I like macro photography. I like insects, um, anything. I'll try anything. Awesome. And I'd love to talk to you about your writing as well. So you, you mentioned your writing. What yeah. is it that you write? What kind of style do you write in? Um, I'm a massive fan of H.G. Wells. Okay. And, and I love Westerns as well. Um, I like science fiction, steampunk. I like any good, good well-written novel. Um, so I've just written a novel of my own. And I'm just tweaking the second draft now. It's called Strangers in the Glass, and it's actually a steampunk western. Because awesome. I wanted to meld science with the Wild West, and it's an alternative Earth, it's an alternative um, reality. And, um, yeah, it's great, great fun. So it's, um, it's into the second draft now where I'm just tweaking the final things, um, and it should be ready in the next few weeks awesome and when it is ready what happens then well <laughs> as anybody who's written novels in the past before knows getting an agent is vital if you want to get a publisher to take you seriously at all yeah um, a publisher will take most of your profit and expect you to do all the work uh, as far as promotion is concerned and many people um are now self self-publish yeah so i don't know I will try and get an agent, see what happens, but I am not beyond self-publishing if it's good enough. And I'm the first one to say, you know, it, it has to be good enough to be published. I'd never publish anything that I thought what was shoddy writing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know which way to proceed, but I'll certainly try and get an agent and see if the publisher's interested. Um, if not, uh, then so many people get turned down uh, Stephen King um, ha had um, a, a wall plastered with rejection letters. You know, yeah. all famous authors have been turned down. It doesn't mean you're rubbish at all. Um, so I'll finish it. If I'm happy with it, I'll get it proofread uh, properly, and then I shall proceed. 
uh, with it, and we'll see. Yeah, and that's a great attitude to have because uh, I used to I used to be a musician in my younger days, and yeah. I was always very proud of what I achieved as a songwriter. And sometimes people would think that because you're not famous, like you're not, you haven't made it, you're not good. But I used to say to people, no, I've written songs, I've performed my songs to people, and I'm really pleased with my songs. And I think some of these songs, if you hold them up next to some of these famous celebrities, like they're as good as and often in my opinion better my performance in my opinion is better than some of these uh, highly lauded celebrities it's just a case of they got lucky they got put into the spotlight and just because you're not in the spotlight doesn't mean you're not good and we're in a culture of uh, you know um if you if you've been on the telly in a reality show you you can get a hit single or whatever i mean you have to remember the beatles were signed to a comedy label because they got turned down by everybody else yeah. You know, that, that's, that's the world we're in right now. It doesn't mean that you're not good if you don't get a mainstream publisher or a mainstream label interested in you. It does not mean that whatsoever. Um, and you just need to do it for yourself. My son's just finished his first novel, which is 800 pages long. It's a massive thing, but it's so well written. And it's original universe political drama. It's, it's fabulous and it really is good. I'm not just saying that. He's got um, um, a YouTube following of like quarter of a million, and wow. gets millions of views on his on his animations, which is a, a, a shop front for his book. Um, so he he should self publish because he'll just he's got people waiting for it to come out. Why why would he give his profit to a publisher? They just take the money off you and give you a fraction of a percent. Yeah. So that, you know, self-publishing doesn't mean oh, I'm having a go at self-publishing because nobody else will do it because it's so awful. That's not the case, actually. Yeah, it just puts the power in the writer's hands without the pressure yes. of we need this by then and you need to change that because we don't want that exactly. linked to our company. Exactly that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I will take a chance. I'll do um, everything in my, my power to make it... Um, a very good read um, and you know it'll be worthy of being published and I would be the first one to be acutely embarrassed if it was rubbish and I, <laughs> I, I read a lot and I've got a lot of I've got friends that will read it for me and they'll tell me the truth Helen I'm sorry that's a bit of um, you know so if enough people tell me it's good as well then fine great I'm self-publishing yeah excellent great attitude go for it uh, one random thing I want to ask you about is we spoke a little while back, uh, back in back in lockdown at some point in one of the LCI uh, get-togethers, and we spoke about David Prowse. Yeah. And you had a David Prowse story. Yes, David Prowse, the uh, Green Cross. Yeah, the code. Green Cross code guy. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, back in the 1980s, I worked at Adam Brooks Hospital in Cambridge, and uh, his daughter was one of my colleagues and friends uh, so Darth Vader used to give us lifts uh, <laughs> <laughs> used to give us lifts um, in and out of Cambridge uh, when we'd had drinks or got drunk or whatever <laughs> us. but yeah he was, the, he was a lovely guy and she was really really tall <laughs> she was like him yeah but yeah he never got invited to any of the he got basically shoved to the side by yeah. um, by everybody it wasn't right really um yeah 
he didn't get treated very well by that film company. No, it's just a shame because I love I love Star Wars and I love the franchise and I hear lots of negative things about George Lucas and and sort of yeah. he likes who he likes and then he he just sort of uses and abuses everyone else. Yeah. Right. which is a shame uh, but we are drawing to a close it's been a wonderful chat just before we go uh, do you want to advertise yourself on, on facebook and tell people where they can see your fantastic pictures well if you want to facebook friend me um helen jones <laughs> otherwise i've shut my instagram and i've shut my twitter which is where i did put my photos only because um yeah i think i was habit habit forming looking checking my phone all the time and again that's a thing where you know, when you're not going out and about and doing a social thing, you think the world is through, is in your phone. Yeah. And it, your world isn't in your phone. Um, so it's, it was just part of a, a self-care thing that I've deleted them on purpose. I haven't deleted my Facebook because I use that to find out what's going on and, and you know, if the show is on and stuff yeah. like that, that's fine. And Messenger for people who, who want me to do something for them, like photographs and stuff like that. But I really want to back off from um, thinking that, that that's how to sort of conduct my life through, through a phone. I don't want to. Like I said, I'm an analog person. When I grew up, there was a phone in the kitchen. And that yeah. was it. If you were lucky, <laughs> otherwise it was a phone at the end of the road. Yeah. And that's what I, I want back. Yeah, it's funny. I, I hear people talk about... Like even when I was younger, like a lot has changed sort of in my lifetime. I'm a teacher and I try and explain to my class a lot of the time how I didn't have a lot of the things that they have now, or I was there through the birth of it all. So I've seen it evolve. But like back back in the day, if you wanted to meet someone, you agreed a time and you agreed a place and, and you met them there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everybody does it through, t they, they meet people through the phone and they dump people on the phone. Yeah. I mean, when you go out, you'll just say, "Heads down, yeah." You know, they're under a spell. This is witchcraft. You're under a spell. Chuck it away. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll bring it to a close. So, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely talking to you. There we go. Another great chat. Thank you so much to Helen. I really enjoyed hearing her story of how she got into improv and about how improv has really had a positive impact on her life and has completely changed her outlook and has really helped to get her back in touch with her creative side. She is a wonderful photographer, a fantastic improviser, and I'm really excited to, to perhaps even read her book and see the journey that she can go on as a writer and who knows you may even see her on a stand-up circuit what an exciting thing to be at a point in your life where you're retiring yet not just retiring to nothingness retiring to the excitement of all these exciting new opportunities ahead that in itself is inspirational to me and i hope that it has inspired you some way to realize that life has got so much more to give you if you just open up and let those opportunities in now if you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a new improv scene then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk 
You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram we are at Live Comedy Improv. We also have a Facebook page, just search for the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast and you'll find all the information you need about the show there and every week we drop the links to the show and we put out a trailer every Thursday so you can have a little sneak peek at what is coming up the next week. Don't forget, if you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make the arrangements as soon as possible. This show is for you, it's about you, and we want to hear your story. Don't sit back and think, oh, I haven't got much to say. You will surprise yourself about how interesting you are and how awesome your story is. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review and that will really help to boost the show and get our name out there. If you're interested in me, you can find me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Ian Luke Jones. On my YouTube channel in particular, you'll find all sorts of videos just me being a bit silly and you'll find lots of improv on there and music so hopefully there's something to to tickle your taste buds just check out my youtube channel and that brings us to the end of this week's episode again thank you so much to helen i really hope that everyone listening enjoyed that conversation as much as i did but before i go here are some words as always that are wise 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 always remember whatever the situation to treat life like improv and yes and <laughs>